Welcome to you and happy Easter to you all. And uh, I want to talk today about Easter. <laughs> Surprising. So uh, I want to talk about the fact that the cross changes everything. Uh, you know, there are those moments in our lives, these events, these decisions that occur that can completely change our direction. And we end up in places that we never expect to end up. And, and it's only when we look back sometimes that we realize just how much these moments or these decisions that we took long ago affect our future and become defining moments for our lives. Uh, there are these, these moments that occur that can be the positive or they can be negative, but you know, from the moment that these things happen, those decisions are made, things are never quite the same again. I mean, what if I'd never done that? What if I'd never moved to Birmingham? What if I'd never met my wife? What if we'd never had those children? What if we'd never moved to that place? These, these moments, these decisions, you look back and, and you think, well, that's just become a defining moment for my life. The reason I am here today is because of decisions that were made all those years ago. Or maybe it's, what if I'd never met that person? If only I hadn't met that person or done that job or been to that place. And sometimes, you know, these moments occur and they affect not just me, but whole groups of people, even a nation. I mean, you've only got to look back and see the impact of the shooting of J.F. Kennedy. All those years ago, people still talk about it today. Or, or what about the death of Diana, the Princess of Wales? I mean, who could forget all of those flowers that were laid? What a poignant time that was. Or what about the 9-11 terrorist attacks? So the, whatever impact these events, these big world events have on us personally, we are defined by them corporately, and the event, this intersection in our lives becomes fixed in our memories and we recall it with unusual clarity and we know just where we were and who we were with when we heard the news you know what I'm talking about and do you know what I think we've had one of those moments just recently last week in Paris you know the Notre Dame it was suddenly destroyed by fire. I mean, it's quite incredible. A building that stood for around 845 years, it took 200 years to build, was effectively destroyed by a spark in an hour with the whole world watching. Now, I don't know about you, but I found myself unaccountably moved and saddened and caught up with the poignancy of the moment when a nation stopped to consider its history against an uncertain future. I mean, it certainly seems to have had an impact on France already. Uh, it seems so unusual for a secular nation, prayers on the streets, who'd have thought of it? People coming from all over just to stand and look at a building. Uh, some people crying even, and news reporters overcome with emotion. <laughs> Others just singing hymns and some just asking some really big questions. But then I noticed something that really stood out to me. You know, just as the smoke cleared on the morning after the fire, a profound image emerged from the rubble and it's gone all around the world. It was this cross. 
Did you see that? A, a golden cross that was completely untouched by the fire. And you know, whatever you might feel personally about the Notre Dame as a building or what it might represent, I can't, haven't been able to shake off the feeling that somehow this image that appeared at the beginning of Easter week is meant to say something to us. It's meant to make the whole world stop and think and ask some questions. Because, of course, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus is the most important defining moment that has ever occurred in the whole of human history. You know, the disciples of Jesus certainly knew this. And, and, and these events, this, this death and this resurrection, it shaped the trajectory of the rest of their lives to such an extent that most of them were even martyred for what they believed. I mean, that's pretty defining, isn't it? And the interesting thing for me about this cross at Notre Dame is that unusually for a Catholic cathedral, it's not a crucifix with the body of Christ hung on it. It's actually an empty cross. The cross is empty. And that signifies God's own superb and enduring defining moment of hope for the human race, the empty cross. And it's significant. The reason why it's so significant is because the empty cross shows us that the work of Jesus was complete. It is finished, he cried, and he breathed his last, so that even though we remember his death and his right to do so, and the price that he paid, Jesus no longer needs to die. There's no further sacrifice required for sin. As Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, writes, Christ suffered once for sins to bring you to God. Suffered once to bring you to God. So the empty cross is a loving invitation to everyone who sees it to come back to God. It means literally all is forgiven. And for, the, for those who put their trust in him, because Jesus took all the punishment that was ever needed for anything that we've ever done wrong. And not just by your standards and mine, but by God's all-knowing, all-seeing standards of righteousness. Because you do know that God knows everything, don't you? You do know that he sees everything you've ever done or not done. I mean, you may be able to hide it from me. You, you might be able to hide it from your family, your friends. You might even be able to convince yourself, but nothing is hidden from God. And I think we all know this at some instinctive level. I mean, have you ever had that feeling that somebody's watching you when you do something wrong? Ever had that feeling? Or have you ever have had the uncomfortable feeling that you're not going to get away with it, even though nobody knows what you did? Or have you ever carried around that terrible guilt of something you did years ago, and it doesn't matter what you do, nothing seems to take it away? That's him. That's him. He sees. He knows. He judges. But he embraces. He calls. He invites, just like when Jesus died, his arms were spread out. He embraces the whole world with his love and the offer of forgiveness. Do you need forgiveness? Do you need to have your conscience cleansed? That's what the empty cross is all about. And God just advertised it to the whole world in a building in Paris for those who have eyes to see it. 
And you know, this realization, and I pray that it would be a realization for many around the world today, but this realization can be a defining moment for many. You'll never be the same again after you've embraced the cross of Jesus. The cross is meant to make you stop and think. It changes everything. After you've encountered it, it leads to a new life because of the resurrection, which is also about the empty tomb. So we have this empty cross, but we also have an empty tomb. We read about it in the readings. You know, I don't think any of us can fully grasp what Jesus' disciples and friends must have been through as they witnessed the terrible beatings and the humiliations he suffered in the week that led to his execution. You know, the hopelessness they must have felt after one, after the other, they failed him. You know, how helpless they must have felt as they saw him being nailed there. How his screams of agonizing pain must have ripped right through them, lacerating their hearts, as it does when you, somebody that you love deeply suffers right before your eyes. You've ever experienced that. And then the moment that he dies, the soldiers take him down, the body's thrown into the grave, really just like a piece of meat that has passed its sell-by date. And the grave, it says, was sealed with a rock so that even in death they can't get near him. They can't touch his body. They can't comfort him. They can't be comforted. The waves of grief and sadness, the trauma of it all. And how desperate they must have been, how they must have feared for their own lives. It's going to be us next. They've got Jesus. Now they're going to get us. And they hid themselves away. They locked the door They were totally defeated, totally, except the women, except these three amazing ladies. They sneak out, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James. They sneak out in the early hours of Sunday morning. Jesus died on the Friday. They went to prepare his body for burial. Nobody was going to stop them. They did have one problem. Who was going to move that massive stone? It's too big for us to move. And they must have been whispering amongst themselves, saying, what are we going to do? But we've got to take these spices that we've prepared. We've prepared them, so we've got... They found the stone, this huge stone, many tons, just rolled away. Well, that's good. That's one problem solved. And then they entered the tomb, and they found an experience a defining moment that completely changed their lives and completely changed the whole of history. Jesus' body wasn't there. It wasn't there. Luke tells us while they were wondering about this, I mean, you would, wouldn't you? Where's he gone? Where is he? While they were wondering about this, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, pretty cool, stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead with a twinkle in his eye? I imagine he's not here. He is risen. Don't you remember? He told you about it while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And the empty tomb is a defining moment, like no other. Jesus' body isn't there because he's alive. 
He is alive. He is impossibly risen. And the fact of the resurrection has to stop us in our tracks and make us think like no other. He, he ha, it has to be confronted. The claims that the Bible makes have to be examined. Because if it's true, then it changes everything. If it's false, then it's a fabrication and a deception of cosmic and cruel proportions. You know, each of us, when confronting the biblical claim, have to make up our minds and live accordingly. There's no in-between. Either he died, and that's it, or he's risen, still alive today, and so we better do something about it. You know, it's not within the scope of the talk today to outline all the arguments, so I'm really tempted. I love to do that. Except to say this, that history shows us that this became, this one fact became the key defining moment for Jesus' disciples. They turned the then-known world upside down with their message, even giving their lives for it. I mean, just consider it. Here were a group of disciples who were discouraged, depressed, fearful, traumatized in hiding with the doors locked because they were going to be killed any moment. That's what they thought. And then in one moment, they were totally changed. They fearlessly went around everywhere telling everybody, we've seen Jesus. Jesus is alive. Something changed. A defining moment that changed the whole trajectory of their lives from that moment of realization. This led, of course, to the birth and the growth of the church. I mean, within 300 years, the church exploded right across the known world based on this one central message. Jesus died, but he's alive again. And this message and the church with it has continued to grow and expand through successive generations, making Christianity still the largest and fastest growing religion in the world. Do you know there are more people becoming Christians today than at any other time in history? Any other time in history. If you hear the, if you hear that the church is decreasing and declining, it's not true. Some people's churches are. But the church of Jesus Christ is growing quicker than at any other time in history. The resurrection power of Jesus is still active and changing lives beyond recognition today. Because the resurrection changes everything. I mean, just think what Jesus rising from the dead and continuing to be alive today means. Firstly, it means death isn't the end. That's the first thing that hits you between the eyes. That must mean death isn't the end. You know, if you've ever wondered if there's life after death, well, Jesus came back to show us there is. Jesus' resurrection and his appearing after death is the clearest evidence of an afterlife that we have. It is a guarantee for believers of the outcome of their faith, and it speaks of eternal life and a new resurrection body, which who wouldn't want one of those? Which Jesus, gave, which Jesus it says, will give us when he returns. I mean, the physical appearance of, of, of Jesus eating bread and fish and drinking with the disciples, being witnessed by the 12 apostles, the 500 other random people that are mentioned in the biblical account, and by Paul himself, is the guarantee of our hope. 
So do you know where you're going to go when you die? Jesus came back to show us there was a place we could go to where we would be with him in paradise. That's the first thing, and you can just think about that one. That's pretty cool. The second one is that love conquers death, is what it shows us. Jesus is very clear about why he laid down his life, because God so loved the world. And he died at the hands of sinful man whose hearts and treatment of him were evil like the greatest of evils that exist today. But it was because of love. He laid down his life. You know, some say that if Jesus has not laid down his life, he would still be on the cross today because he was life and he couldn't therefore be killed. He literally had to lay down his life. How about that? The Lord of life entered into death so that we don't have to. Good triumphs over evil is the other conclusion. I mean, ever wonder whether good ultimately triumphs? The resurrection proved that it does. Death couldn't hold him. It had no claim on him. The the grave could not contain him. It had no place for him. The power of God raised him from the dead and exalted him to the highest place. And by the way, he's coming back again. So if you haven't met him today, you will do one day. And I hope when you do, you'll be ready to meet him. Love conquers, death loses, good wins, and triumphs over evil. Finally, forgiveness is real. (laughs) Now, the resurrection shows us that the wages of sin are paid because death no longer triumphs. Jesus' return to life shows us the power of forgiveness because of the sacrifice Jesus made. You know, forgiveness is more than a good idea. It's more than just a good psychological technique to make you feel better. It has real supernatural power, resurrection power to change your life. And so Paul tells us, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Forgiveness means the old has gone and the new has come. It means literally in Christ, through forgiveness, we have a new start a new life where the old is buried and gone. He also tells us that through faith in Christ, we are rescued from the dominion of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. So not only are we forgiven, we're given a new country to live from, a new place of abode called God's kingdom. I started by talking about that one moment that changes everything and becomes a defining moment in our lives. And the cross of Jesus is one of those moments like no other. His forgiveness and the promise of a new life demonstrated in the resurrection will set you on a trajectory, not just for today, but for all eternity. You know, that cross appeared through the smoke in Paris God's great hope for the world transmitted around the world. And I don't know what God has got in store for France at this time. I believe there's something big going on. (laughs) I do. Uh, I don't know what he has in store precisely, or for the Notre Dame and and dozens of other places too uh, that I'm sure he wants to work through. But, you know, Macron said um, he will rebuild this temple in five years. Jesus said, I'll do it in three days. (laughs) 
Jesus' resurrection power is world-changing. He's alive, and it's very good news. And I'm convinced that he will send fire and floods and all kinds of other things if it would mean, uh, if, if that's what it takes. He'll send all kinds of stuff to get you, <laughs> if that's what it takes. All kinds of signs. And you'll get to the end of your life if you don't make the decision today, and you'll look back and say, I had all those opportunities. I wish I'd taken them. All those signs where God pursued me. And it's because, I know it because he loves you. (laughs) I know it because he loves, he loves, and he wants to stop you in your tracks. He wants you to meet him. So if you need forgiveness, if you want to start again, well, that's what Jesus offers. And so today, I'm just going to close, I'm going to close in a moment, but I want to give you the opportunity to meet Jesus. I'm not going to make you stand up or come to the front or do anything like that. We're all going to stand up together, all right? Uh, So would you like to stand? And all I want to simply do is pray a prayer that you can pray with me, okay? And if we all do it together, even if you've been a Christian here for years, it's good to remember the gospel and pray the gospel prayer all over again. We're going to just pray this together one line at a time. And, and when, you've, when you've prayed that prayer and you say, well, that's the first time I've ever prayed that prayer, I'd love to know about it. Would you just come and find me afterwards and tell me about it? I'd love to talk to you and pray with you. But I really believe that God is in the world today and he's out to meet you. And he wants you to meet him. Okay, so I'm going to pray this prayer and you can pray it after me and uh, come and speak to me afterwards. So here we go. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. I ask you for forgiveness and turn from everything I know is wrong. Thank you for dying on the cross to set me free from sin. Thank you for rising again from the dead so that I can start a new life today. I invite you to come into my life. I ask you to wash me clean and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. This is a day for celebration. This is a day for new lives to begin. And even if you're a Christian today, to be reminded of that powerful truth is life-changing again. It's life-changing again. Amen.